0: Right um, just uh where you know this is the plant uh, that the church uh, was able to get for Miss Sharon's funeral tomorrow, so this plant is from you uh for the family, and so thank you for that um, secondly, uh after the service is over, if a couple of guys will get the step and get it back there where the casket can sit in this indention here, that will be helpful, and then also. Thank you so much for those who showed up to help today to uh, get the fellowship hall uh, decorated and all the flowers made it's beautiful. And um, I talked to Ms. Sharon's son today. A little over 30 people at least will come to breakfast, he said. And so it uh, gives us an opportunity to minister to this family. And so praise the Lord uh, that we able, we're able to be able to minister to them. All right, uh, let us begin tonight the book of Proverbs. I will confess, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Proverbs is, there's a lot of challenges for me to how to preach it. Uh, But uh, I'm going to be learning as I go. I don't have a master plan. Um, And so, uh, but anyways, uh, we will take it and go at whatever speed we go at. Uh, Tonight, just six verses. I intended to do seven, but that's just not going to happen. So the first six verses tonight, I know the break, at least in most of your texts, goes down to verse 7, but I'm probably going to do verse 7 as a sermon of its own. Um, you know, if, if um, the world was as it is, all the things that are going on in our world, and we had no direction or had no counsel, I might would at least understand why people are losing their minds. I mean, if you had nothing to look to for direction I mean, in a sense, I get it, but I really don't understand why people do what they do and uh, act like they act when we have just about the answer to everything under the sun in the book of Proverbs for counsel. I mean, like how many marriages would be preserved if you just read this book and, and did what it said? I mean, and, and on and on. You could go to so many subjects. It's We have reality that we can read. We just need to apply it in experience. And then our lives would be so radically different for young men, young ladies, or older people, uh, everything. There's so much counsel here. And it's, does it not seem odd to you that we have professional Christian counselors and all kinds of counselors and all this stuff? And it's like, we have counsel. It's like, have you ever read the thing and tried to apply it? Uh, so many answers and directions here. And what's, what's cool about Proverbs is they're all true. Like, you just supply them, and it's like, this, this is right, and this is what the Lord will honor. But okay, if I don't stop, I'll go on too long. All right, let me read the text, and we'll try to do something with this tonight. It starts this way, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise, and by the way, the words of the wise are an explanation of what a proverb and a saying is, the words of a wise and their riddles. That's our text tonight. Just um, give me a space a little bit to do a little bit of an introduction to this book, Uh, just some things, and then we'll deal with this text. But This is something that I see as going on right now, and it's probably true of many of you in this room. Sometimes it's certainly true of me as well. We live in this age of instant gratification, We live in an age of warp speed information, high speed infatuation, maybe we should say Google exploration, and an endless uh, plethora of apps to entertain people unto degradation. It seems, to me at least, my opinion, that the obtaining of wisdom is beyond human imagination. The ongoing push to make easier, faster, finger-touch, boom, boom, this push has resulted in making us more, the word ESV uses, is simple. It's a little misleading, because like, what does it mean that we're simple? Well, it means you're naive, Well, what does naive mean? Okay, let's cut to the chase. It means you're ignorant. NASB says ignorant. Like, you look at NASB, maybe not, maybe so. No, it's somebody else. Anyways, that's what it means. But it's like, with all the push to hurry up, how did we get dumber? Right? So it's like, you go to school. And now everything's on a computer, and there's a program for everything. You go to Greek class, you go to Hebrew class, you take two years, four semesters, and you come out, and you know nothing except how to click on your computer, but you don't really know anything, because all you know how to do is click buttons, because it's fast, and you hover over the word, and it says, hey, this is the present active, dick, the third person singular. You're like, oh, cool, but you don't really know all this speed. Nicholas Carr, I don't know him, he put it this way. Once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words. Now I zip the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Just fly through it all. Never grab a hold of the deep meaning of these things. Well, I only say that to say this as we start Proverbs. The book of Proverbs only works if we deliberately slow down. Slow down for what? To listen to what God says through Solomon to us. We have to slow down and listen. We have to, I know it's hard, we have to, you ready? We have to think. We have to use our minds. We have to think through, what does this phrase mean? What, what's going on here? We have to, a word we don't use a lot, we have to journal God's Word says, write down how it applies to my life. We journal. We pray. i me just say to you, things of infinite value deserve your time. They deserve your time. And to cut this out, because this is more important, is I need wise counsel. Well, in these first verses and just up through chapter 9, a very brief outline, if you will. Uh, In verse 1, we get the title. Uh, Verses 2 through 6, which we look at tonight, gives us the purpose of the book. And then in verse 7, we get the theme or the motto of the book. And then the rest, all the way through chapter 9, is all these poems that should cause us to desire the truth at any expense. And to have our hearts be humbled enough to receive the truth and apply it to our lives. I'm going to ask a couple of questions, or maybe at least one for sure. What happens to us if we commit ourselves to wisdom? What happens? Say, you know what? I want to be wise, and I'm committing myself to become wise. Proverbs 15, verse 24 says this, The path of life leads up. Leads upward. For who? For the wise. Path of life leads upward to the prudent. What That he may turn away from Sheol that is beneath. If I commit myself to wisdom, it leads me upward. Near the throne of God. Near the person of God. Near my relationship with God. Wisdom takes me there to a real person. And it keeps me from Sheol. And I will say, I think it came up this morning in the message, but wisdom is far different than knowledge. Far different. There are many people who have the knowledge of the Ten Commandments, but they never have any intention or plan to set apart one day for the worship of the living God. Knowledge doesn't make them wise, it just makes them lawbreakers. Many who are knowledgeable of the law Many Christians and many churches know the Ten Commandments commit adultery. Many pastors commit adultery. Knowledge of the Ten Commandments doesn't make you wise. Taking that knowledge and dying to self and being obedient to that knowledge would make you wise. Knowing something is one thing. Being humble enough to use knowledge for the glory of God and for your good. That's another category. Then let me say one more thing in introduction. What does the word proverb mean? That's the title of the book. So what does proverb mean? If you look in the Septuagint, the Greek word means it's a narrative, a saying varying in length. It's designed to illustrate truth, especially through comparison, comparing two things together to bring forth the truth. Use the word maxim. Proverb, parable, illustration. Um, It is somewhat like a practical truth which is easy to remember. Okay, Like, look before you leap. Penny saved is a penny earned. Those little catchy phrases that communicate something that we can remember. Proverbs is like that. A biblical proverb is to represent or to be like something. A short statement that applies to some aspect of our daily lives. The proverb is the true reality. What I read here is what's true and what's real. So I read what's real and take it in and apply it to life. I don't live life and try to ascertain truth from my experience. I read the reality and put the reality on the experience rather than the other way. We can understand before we jump into the experience of life. I don't care what the world says about marriage, what they say about all of these things. The Bible in Proverbs tells me clearly what is the result of going after the forbidden woman. That's the reality. No matter what my experience, my thoughts, or my world may say, it leads to death. Okay. The Proverbs, the true reality, and the Proverbs can also be used for every one of us who've gotten off track. We can go back to Proverbs and get counsel that gets us back to where we ought to be to live how we ought to live. All right, the person, verse one, won't take, uh, by the way, the fear of the Lord we'll look at next Sunday, but the fear of the Lord is the prerequisite For being able to accomplish the purpose of the book. You don't have fear of the Lord. You're never going to accomplish the purposes that are stated in these first six verses. Verse one, the person, I don't know why commentators waste so much ink uh, about trying to figure out who wrote Proverbs when verse one says they're the Proverbs of Solomon. I'm already done. I don't even need to write anything. Solomon wrote these Proverbs. Um, He is the son of David, he is the king of Israel. Now, I'll grab from 1 Kings a little bit just to give you a taste of what the Bible says about him. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12, the Lord says, Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you, like you shall arise after you. His wisdom comes from God. Then in 1 Kings, again, chapter 4, verse 29 through 34, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the people of Egypt. He was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Heman the Kokol, Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in the surrounding nations. He also, I think other than Proverbs, he also spoke 3,000 more Proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Now think about this wisdom and his study. He spoke of trees. God created trees. He studied trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke of beasts of birds, of reptiles, and of fish. All of creation he's studying in order to be able to understand God. And the people of all nations, all around these nations, they come to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. This wisdom was of such renown, it's drawing people. Don't miss that. He's still here. It's like, what do you mean? He wrote this down. What wisdom drew the nations is in writing before our eyes, and it should draw us here to gain this wisdom. Solomon seems to study everything with the heart of the fear of the Lord, and he understood that all of creation was revelation. Now, Matthew uh, chapter 12, Jesus says this, and it's important for us to hear because this is what Jesus says, the queen of the south, Matthew twelve forty two. the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. So in that statement, Jesus acknowledges the wisdom of Solomon and the drawing that drew even the queen of Sheba to come and have discussion with him. All right, that's verse one. Now, the purpose of the book is verses two through six, and we get five purposes. Now, number one, so you can write these down. You can look at them in your text, if you will. I'll point them out, try to bring some sense of meaning to these words. So, Uh, Not necessarily a flashy sermon, but I want you to grasp the purpose where we'll know where we're going here. Number one, the purpose is to know. You see that in verse two, to know. This is the purpose of the book. God doesn't want you to remain in the dark. He wants you to know something. Uh, It refers, this term, this Hebrew term refers to experiential knowledge, and not just cognitive knowledge. So you got m- cognitive knowledge, reading and writing and arithmetic. You've got these things in your mind that you study and work. And then experience. To know in both realms. Knowledge comes from these. It includes intellectual assimilation and the practical use of what is inquired. I learned this in my head. It sunk down to my heart. And I applied it to my life in daily living. To know. To really know it is to apply it in real life. It's different. Some people know, but never use the knowledge and experience. That's not good or true knowledge. The knowledge affecting your life, that's what he's talking about here. But what does he want us to know? He wants us to know, the purpose of this book is for you to know wisdom and instruction. Two things. Wisdom has to do with skill. With skill, the ability to take what you know and to put it in everyday use of practice. Skill, expertise, competence, understanding how life works. You know you need a budget? Skill is writing a budget rightly, and being really skillful is allowing the budget to do what it was designed to do. Knowledge, skill. Skill. I'll give you a couple of examples of skill. This word wisdom meaning skill or the ability to put things into practice. In Exodus 35, 26, all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill, they spun goat's hair. And then he has filled him with the Spirit of God and with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship so this ability to perform a task based on what one knows or we could say 1 kings 328 and all israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of god was in him to do justice he has wisdom not just to have it in his head, but to enact it by doing what is just. Or Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 9. This is the last one I'll give you, but it says, Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. They are the work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. Now, I hope you didn't get lost just saying that to know wisdom has something to do with the ability to take what is known and put it into practice. That's the skill, and that is the wisdom. To know and not do is not skill, it's foolishness. So, the purpose of this book is not to entertain you with knowledge. Now, in a sense, you want to memorize chapter one, great, praise the Lord. I love scripture memory, I think it's a good thing. But if you're not going to apply anything you memorize, what's the point? That doesn't make you wise. He wants you to know how to have the skill to take this counsel and put it in practical everyday life. This message of Proverbs is practical stuff for everyday living. Secondly, instruction to know wisdom to know instruction. Now, the ESV did a little bit of a disservice to us. I don't know why, but maybe it's because we don't like this word. I think we're okay with instruction because it doesn't bother us too much, but actually the Hebrew word means discipline. To know discipline. Discipline, being able to perform those things which is right, no matter how difficult the task. He's a disciplined person. He keeps taking these truths and doing these with them. He has a very disciplined lifestyle. Solomon wants you to be disciplined. The very thing lacking in our church, in the world, a lack of discipline. Now this word discipline has a wide range of meaning. It can be parental discipline, parental chastisement. It can mean warning and exhortation, or it can apply to moral training or instruction. And this word is always, in a sense, connected to something, fear of the Lord. Because of my view of the Lord, I'm disciplined about what I do with this book. Because of my fear of the Lord, I'm disciplined about how I live because I have a right view of God. It affects my disciplined lifestyle. Prevents laziness. In Proverbs one seven, we'll see it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom. There's your word, instruction. Our Proverbs fifteen thirty three: The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. Humility becomes before honor. Proverbs twenty three twenty three: By truth, don't sell it. By wisdom, instruction, discipline, and understanding. It is through the discipline of maintaining a right view of the Lord through the experiences of life that a man becomes wise. Say this again. It is through the discipline of maintaining a right view of the Lord. So we go through stuff. We go through rebellious children. We go through terminal cancer. We go through, my dad's going to have back surgery. We go through financial loss, job loss, we go through COVID, <clears throat> we go through all these events in life, and you maintain a discipline that keeps you seeing God for who he is, in all of his holiness, all of his splendor, all of his goodness, knowing that everything that's happening, God always does right. And so through that difficult time, you maintain this right view of God through all these experiences. And if you do, when you get to be 80 and 90 and a hundred, you'll have wisdom to impart to someone else. Okay? You know, I always refer to the same thing. It's like you get to sit down with Grandma and ask her a question. And you hear from a woman who lived through World War II and the Great Depression, and she gets it. She went through all of that, and she saw God rightly through it, and she's got something to say. Those kind of conversations are good and weighty, But you have to live through it with the right view of God to have the wisdom. Now the second purpose, that was number one, the second purpose is to understand. You see it there in verse 2 as well. To understand and to understand words of insight. Understand, to compare and make proper evaluation of the sayings of the wise. So we want to understand these sayings in this book. That's the purpose. That he has for us, understanding words that give insight, understanding wise saying like this book. Here, here's Solomon's prayer. If we back up, what's his prayer? First Kings three nine. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind. Why? To govern your people. What do I need to do? I need to discern between good and evil, for who's able to govern this, your great people? So I, I need to be able to understand these things, what's good, what's evil, what's right, what's wrong, what's up, what's down. I need to be able to understand this where I can apply it to my life. Some people lack understanding. You know it, I know it. We lack understanding in all things, some people just lack understanding in some things. But to lack understanding makes us simple, makes us naive, makes us ignorant. Others understand, have some understanding, but they're unwilling to be conformed to the truth, which makes them fools. Hey, I just want you to understand the difference here, but some people don't read their Bible, they don't think through their Bible, they don't put these things into practice, they don't weigh them out, and so basically they're just ignorant of the things of God. They've never worked through and wrestled through the Scripture, so when it comes to theology and doctrine, they're just, instead of sense, they might be good people, all of that, but just kind of ignorant to how all this works. But the greater danger, and this involves many even in our own church, is that we know a lot of this stuff. We read our Bibles, and we hear preaching, and we have Sunday school, and we've got all this knowledge, but we somehow don't allow it to conform our lives. I know, it's just the easy one for me to pick on. It's like the softball in the room. It's like everybody understands that a day is to be set aside to worship the Lord, but I'm just not going to allow my life to be conformed to that, because I want to go to Walmart and do my own thing. He's saying, like, I'm not going to allow God to tell me what to do on His day that I've made my day. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let Scripture have the authority over me and, and rob me of what my, my flesh wants to do. We know some things in the Bible. We just don't want to submit to it. To understand is to be able to take the truth, receive the truth, and allow the truth to conform us to what it says. Thirdly, the purpose is to receive. So to know, to understand, verse 3, to receive. And we are to receive what? We're to receive instruction. We're to see in, uh, in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. To receive means to acquire something. It is synonymous with the verb In chapter 2, verse 1, just turn one page, chapter 2, verse 1, this is what it means to receive. If you receive my words and, there it is, treasure up my commandments with you. To receive is to treasure it, to love it, to delight in it, this is The very wellspring of life, here is joy, here is comfort, here is peace, here is rebuke, here is discipline. Here's everything my soul needs. The Puritan said, so the Lord's day, is a marketplace for the soul. Here I get to eat all of this good food. We receive it and say, this, I need a word from God. Blessed are those who hunger, thirst for righteousness. This is that idea to receive. Give me all of it, I need every bit of it. Or if you want a New Testament of application, we'll just say it like James does. Put away all filthiness and all rampant uh, wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Well, the thing we are to humbly receive is instruction. Instruction. Verse 2, we receive this instruction out of the book of Proverbs. Instruction we receive is for wise dealing. Or we could say instruction we receive is for skillful living. <laughs> to receive instruction in the ability to, to live wisely, to have wise dealings, to have skillful living, to apply these things accurately. You know, here, let me give you an example. I can't do the whole story. Uh, 1 Samuel 25. There's this lady by the name of Abigail. And she got this husband named Nabal. And you have this whole conflict. And how she deals with that and saves the city and has him destroyed, this is receiving wisdom. This is this idea of wise dealing. She took the knowledge of the situation and spared many lives by what she said to the prophet In that story. 1 Samuel 25, you can read it later. As we receive instruction, discipline, and skillful living, we will continue to make progress. So here we are. Some of us are 80, some of us are 20, all ages in between, and maybe some younger. But as we receive discipline and skillful living, we continue to make progress in what? Righteousness. Righteousness is conduct that conforms to God's law. As we receive instruction, we progress in righteousness. We become more and more conformed to what God says. We make progress in justice. Justice. Making decisions that are right. Anybody in the room remember teenage years where you made a lot of dumb decisions? (laughs) Maybe in your 20s, you look back and you go, I decided to do that What was I thinking? If we continue receiving instruction from the Word of God, we make progress in decisions that are right. I would hope to think that by the time you're 60, when you have a complicated situation, your decision-making paradigm is better than it was when you were 16. Hey, and if you want some advice, I'll give you some for free. Sometimes I realize I've only lived 54 years, and so there's people that know more than I know. And so when I really don't know what to do, and I can't figure it out, sometimes I call my dad. Because he's been on the earth 80-something years, and he's been through a few things. And sometimes my dad says things that I've never thought of, and I need to listen. See, you. if you are not there to making the wise decision, maybe you should ask somebody older than you. One of the most overlooked people groups in all the church are people over 60. That makes no sense. Everybody under 60 ought to value those over 60 because they've walked longer with the Lord and they probably know four times as much as you if you just have a conversation with them. All the young people in the room should have said amen because it's true. You should. You don't know as much as you think you know, even if you're the preacher. And we make progress in equity. Equity has to do with straight moral living. But I say again to receive is to apply. If you receive instructions about skillful living in regards to an adulterous woman, then you don't look at pornography on your cell phone. If you received it, then that's not what you do. Because you apply that knowledge and you cut that off. Chapter 1, verse 4 is the fourth purpose, and this is the purpose to give. So now you watch how that flows. To know wisdom and instruction, understand words of insight, receive instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, we're going to take all of that. We apply it to our daily lives for sure. That's the right thing to do with this knowledge. That's the purpose. But there's something else. Don't miss it. You're going to do all this learning, and you're going to grow in wisdom. For what? Just for you? No, 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 no. You're going to take that wisdom, and you're going to impart it to the young. Give that wisdom to your children. Give it to your grandchildren. Give it to the younger people in the church, young men, young women in the church. You take and give prudence to the ignorant. Give prudence to the naive. Give prudence to the simple. Now, it's from the perspective of the teacher. It's what the wise instructor, sage, wants to impart to the naive youth. It's like, I just want this teenage girl, this teenage boy, to just listen for just a minute. I could save you a lot of problems, I could save you from a lot of destruction if you just listen. Been there, done that, I'm telling you, don't go down this road. That's what happens as you grow in wisdom. You want to save someone's life. Parents in the room. This is your view of your children. Invest and say, look son, look daughter, I know what you're going through. I know what you're thinking. I'm telling you, this is a bad way. Walk this way. God's word says this. I've learned this through experience and it's true. We plead with them. It's what the instructor does. Prudence, shrewdness, tactics. It, it has the idea shrewdness has to do with tactics that succeed when everything's on the line. You ever been there? Your child, a younger person you know, you're greatly concerned about, and if they go one more step, they're gone. Everything's on the line, and this wisdom that you've gained. You step in and you plead with them with that wisdom. And maybe there's been times where you've seen their lives spared. Praise the Lord. Sometimes not, but sometimes so. This wisdom is given to the simple to help them know and carry out the best course of action. The Christian is to sit under this teacher to become prudent, to become shrewd. Also, to give prudence to the simple and also to give knowledge and discretion uh, to the youth. This knowledge is given to the simple. It's a plan for their lives. In a contextual sense, Solomon is the teacher. He gives us a plan for how to live. We must listen. Discretion has to do with knowledge of how to, for, how to form and carry out a morally wise plan. Like, you think about kids dating these days. What's your plan? You Well, you know, we just hang out in the car by ourselves, we go to the movie by ourselves, we go over here by ourselves. Lo and behold, oh, my girlfriend's pregnant. Well, hello, what was your moral plan in this deal? Your plan was to be alone at teenage years with some girl somewhere, and now you're surprised that this has worked out? Look, it's not complicated. You should have had a moral plan, and those who are wise should have given them a moral plan of how to live in order to spare them a lot of heartache. Matthew Henry says this, He that is harmless as the dove by observing Solomon's rules may become wise as the serpent, and he that has been sinfully foolish when he begins to govern himself by the word of God becomes graciously wise. You miss that? If you're foolish and you begin to allow Proverbs to govern your life, You'll become wise. That's what Matthew Henry's saying. And in verse 5, he addresses those. Now, that was what we do for the young. But Solomon's really good. He doesn't miss anything. We have a word for the older people here tonight. I want you to hear this word. We all need to hear this word. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear. The implication he's referring to is those who are older, who've gone through these things. But notice what he says. Let the wise hear. I don't care if you're 80, 90, 100, 200, don't ever stop hearing and continue increasing in learning. Don't ever stop learning. And the one who understands, keep obtaining guidance. God's not done with you. 80, 90, 100, you're still alive. Keep listening. Keep learning. Keep growing. Matthew, Henry, one more time. Here in this book is not, not only milk for babies, but strong meat for strong men. It's all here. So I say to you tonight, do not stop learning, and God forbid, don't ever become unteachable. The 90-year-old can learn from the 7-year-old. And by the way, maybe it's controversial men and women roles, but men can learn from women. Women can learn from men, and we can all learn from teenagers in different areas. And we can learn from young kids. Dr. Roy Fish always said to me, have a friend in every age category. Always be able to relate to the whole spectrum. Little kids, younger teenagers, young adults, and older people. Have a person in every category where you can glean everything there is in life. Please, church, don't ever think that somebody crosses 60 that they've got nothing to offer. They have tons more to offer than you've ever had to offer. Don't ever get so old that you think you have nothing to give. Don't be like my mom and say, nobody ever listens to me. Look, you're in this church over 60 years old and you got something to say, then I'm going to sit down and listen because you have more time in walking with the Savior and I want to be teachable by you. It's got to be the attitude, humility, and teachableness. Because if you think you know it all, you're on the path of self-destruction. And I say to the older people, do not get lazy. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop serving. As one commentator put it, do not die before you die. Or we could say, like Paul did at the end of his life, I'm already poured out, my departure's at hand, but make sure you bring my book. I need to read. I know I'm about to die, but I I need to learn. It's the end of his life. He's still trying to learn and read. A truly wise man is not one who is attained, but one knows who is not attained. And yet, he continues to press on. And you've heard this statement, it's not original to me, but the more I know, the more I realize I don't know anything. I get dumber as the days go by. Even wise men must hear and not think themselves too wise to learn. Lastly, the fifth purpose, verse 6, to understand the proverb of saying the words of the wise and their riddles. Here, the word understand focuses on the benefits of the Proverbs from the perspective of the reader. That's us. By studying Proverbs, the reader will discern the hermeneutical key to understanding more and more Proverbs. This proverb is explained in this verse as the words of the wise. The more we study this, the more we understand the wisdom that is here. There's a word riddles here in verse 6 as well. Uh, and their riddles. Riddles, a word that refers to that which is obscure. We are to study this book so that we are brought to understand and discern true wisdom. Maybe there'd be somebody in the room that would agree. You read through Proverbs or another book and you said, I didn't understand anything I read. Anybody? Okay. The longer we go and wrestle with the scripture, it's like those things that one time made no sense to me, now they start making sense. It's the way it ought to be. And it's, this understanding grows over our walk with the Lord. Well, I would also say this if we don't understand the Bible rightly, and much damage can be done, right? So, you know Peter's statement. He says there are some things about Paul that he had written that are hard to understand. Just because they're hard to understand doesn't mean you have to damage them. But some people find it hard to understand. And he says the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scripture. We don't be like that. The things that are hard to understand, we want to pray and be humble and ask the Lord for revelation and for clarity. All right, last point of the sermon, and it's the shortest point. But as we had the person, we had the purpose of the book, five points of purpose. I do want to conclude with at least this point. So the title of my third point is The Point. And the point is, Revelation, all true wisdom leads to a person. And it is in that person that all truth is exemplified. In this writing that Solomon gives us, he gives us wisdom, but it is in Jesus that we get wisdom personified in a real person. Now, this is out of Jeremiah, and I'll read the verse in a moment. But it was the priest who taught us the law, and it was the prophets who declared the word of the Lord. But it was Solomon who gave us wise counsel, and it is in Christ that we find all true wisdom. Jeremiah eighteen eighteen says that in a different words, but it says the same thing. Jeremiah eighteen eighteen. Then they said, Come. Let us make plots against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, that's Solomon, nor the word from the prophet. Let us, yeah, and so that's those three categories. And so here, you know, you have the law over here, the word of the Lord over here, but in Proverbs, this is your counselor. What do I do with this? What do I do with that? How do I do this? How do I balance this? All of this counsel you need is here in this book. And it's personified in Christ. So let me end tonight with what we know, a few things that we know about Christ. Isaiah chapter 11, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's everything we just read in this opening thing. Fear of the Lord, wisdom, counsel, knowledge, all of those things, they're all in Christ. 1 Corinthians 30. And because of him you're in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom. Or Matthew 13.54, here's what the world asks. Where did this man get all this wisdom to be able to do all these mighty works? I've never seen someone like this. Never a man spoke like this. Or Matthew 12, 42, we have already quoted, and we quoted again at least the ending line. Jesus says, Behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. I study Proverbs. I read Proverbs all the time. I ask for wisdom all the time. I believe it is here, but all of this wisdom does not lead me to worship Solomon. It leads me unto Christ who is the personification of all this wisdom. You may read this book and you say, how in the world could all of these things be kept and applied? Look to Christ. Look to Christ and look to Christ. I know we fall short, but we have an example. And if we're in Christ, we shall be safe. In order to become a wise person, it's necessary to have a saving relationship with Christ. That's a given. When a person is saved, we receive the Spirit who dwells in us. He illuminates and gives us understanding of God's Word. Now the saved person, under the direction of the Spirit, must discipline himself in the daily necessity of receiving truth. The Bible, our book, is to be read. It's to be studied. It's to be memorized. It's to be meditated upon. And it is to be applied in daily life. It's the only way to be wise. The ongoing discipline of the course of life for the Christian throughout the whole of life, this is what we do. Without it, foolishness will be the order of the day. With it, wisdom will be justified in her children. Well, I can tell you this the problem with your life and the problem with my life is not the fault of this book. So somehow, something is happening between the reading of these pages and the applying it that is causing the problem. And so, wise counsel says, I need to humble myself, I need to repent, and I need to agree with God that he's true, and I'm a liar. And whatever he says is right, and this is what I should do, whether I like it or not. Because his way is always best. The more wise you are, the more you'll believe that. Father in heaven, thank you for the book of Proverbs. And there is, Lord, as you well know, a plethora of things we will learn and be challenged with. And I think, Lord, our biggest challenge is not in hearing it or reading it. Our biggest challenge will come in applying it to the practical issues of everyday life But Lord, you have given us wise counsel. Let us be humble and receive it for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen.